name is Jason Dingus, and welcome to Lost Rhetoric, a dim space for light hearts where we discuss all manner of odd. This week, Adam Wilson from the Grindcore outfit, Transient, will be joining me. We're going to be talking about hermits. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Adam is an old friend. He's an old roommate. Uh, the band Transient and I go back quite a ways. Uh, fun facts. Uh, last week I mentioned No One People with uh, Brandon and Krista, who are good friends that I mentioned that we just saw last week. And they are also in the band Transient. And uh, my wife uh, was the original guitar player in the band Transient. And Adam is the current guitarist in the band Transient. He used to be the bass player. Uh, but now he plays guitar, and uh, if you get drunk enough and you you look at him, you 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 can't tell if it's him or Julie, honestly. But transient is is amazing, and uh, I can't wait to see them when shows come back. And if you haven't listened to them, check them out. I'm gonna play a song of theirs at the end of the show. But um, yeah, uh, stick around for the conversation with Adam. We had a really good time with this one, and uh, I think you're gonna enjoy it. Uh, last week, I spoke with Nathaniel Rapole. Uh, you might know him as Gull, the one-man band. Uh, we, we talked about music. We talked about some magical instruments that are, are, are instruments that might have some magical qualities or some instruments that might be considered evil. And we just talked about playing music and where it takes you and what it means and all that shit. Uh, it's a trip. And it was a really fun conversation. So if you haven't listened to episode 48, go back, give that a shot and uh, get high on those vibes because it was a great conversation. So who listened to that episode the most? Let's get into the top five. Who listened to Music is Magic episode 48 of Lost Rhetoric the most? There's a two-way tie at number five, Manhattan. New York City, and Columbus, Ohio on level ground here when it comes to the top five. Uh, Number four, Kensington, New York. Number three, Portland, Oregon. Number two, Aloha, Oregon. And number one, again, Richmond, Virginia, which kind of makes sense because Nate lives most of the time in Richmond. So thank you all for listening. I really, really really appreciate it um so what am i listening to this week uh there's a new record by the band and i've mentioned them before and apparently i was saying their name wrong i called them yautja but apparently it's yautja and i feel pretty dumb uh stuntman mike from post rhetoric I'm surprised he didn't call me out and uh, I'm surprised he's still my friend because Yaucha is from the, the uh, predator series and the word Yaucha is the name of the alien species that the predator comes from. Uh, so I apologize to all uh, predator fans and Yaucha, the band fans and Yaucha, the band itself. I still might be saying it wrong. I don't know. Uh, but that's, what I'm going with Yaucha, but they have a new album out on relapse records called the lurch and it's great. I've been waiting for it 
to be released for a while. Uh, they're just really great creative hardcore, you know, without that, with all that, without all that fucking noodling. I mean, they noodle a little bit, but they just have great weird riffs and they're just heavy and fucking cool. So listen to Yaucha, the lurch. Uh, the next thing I've been listening to, uh, Storefront Church has an album out called As We Pass on Sergeant House Records. First off, the reason, the main reason I started listening to this record is the fucking cover. It, it reminded me of when I was a teenager when I used to just like, you know, listen to something because the cover was amazing. This cover is fucking phenomenal. It's a, it's a bus. It's a flaming smoking bus crashing down into a barren landscape. Like it, like it fell from space. There's no cliff that it apparently fell off. It's just nose diving to this rocky landscape and there's a puddle in front of it. And so there's a reflection of the, the flaming bus in the puddle. It's great. It's a sick fucking cover. Uh, but it's this guy, Lucas Frank, and I guess he's the drummer for Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers comes up again. She seems to be everywhere. She's in my life every week. It seems like she's tied to everyone. I, I, I did not know she was tied to this album until I looked into it. Uh, but yeah, he's her drummer or has been her drummer. Uh, but yeah, he does these, he does this great solo project and vocally, I gotta say it's pretty Radiohead, Tom Yorkish, maybe a little Jeff Buckley. And dare I say, uh, Chris Isaac, like another, another man with two first names, Chris Isaac and Lucas Frank kind of similar here. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a little more to it. I mean, there's mellow, sad piano tunes, but there's some like pretty heavy kind of distorted, I don't know, rocking fucking grungy tunes, but overall dark vibe on this record. And, uh, I, I like it. So check out storefront church as we pass. Uh, and the last thing I've been listening to, and I'm going to, I don't know if I'm saying this right either, but Mdu Mokhtar, uh, he has an album uh, him and his band called Afrique Victim I am going to say that's how you say it it translates to Africa Victim it's out on Matador Records and he is a, a Torig musician and I'm just learning about this which I guess is a Saharan uh, culture that plays like this desert blues and uh, he hails from uh, Nigeria it's like Nigerian psych rock that uh, is just unreal. You get, or I get super fucking excited when I hear, uh, their music. And it was just exactly what I was talking about last week about losing yourself in the music and kind of going to another place and tripping the fuck out and being on a trip. This guy's on a fucking trip. And when I listen to it, I feel like I'm on a fucking trip. So, uh, I can't recommend this album anymore. I think I told a friend earlier today that it changed my life. This album, the music's changing my life. It's it's really joyous, but it's also like really mournful. Uh, it seems really poignant on on many levels. Uh, sonically, I don't know what he's saying, but I, I I feel the emotions coming from it and the 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 happiness and the sadness and everything. I don't know. It, it it's a really great piece of music, and it's also got a great cover. Uh, so check out Mdu Mokhtar. I hope that's how you say it. I hope I'm I'm doing, I'm saying that right. But uh, that is what I have been listening to this week. Uh, now let's get into the exhumed excerpts from the Tomb of the Promulgated. Let me take a sip here. I'm feeling a little parched. Uh, 
All right, that does it. This this story comes from Maine. Uh, it says East Sabago, Maine. Um, and it's kind of fitting because one of the hermits we're going to be talking about, Christopher Knight, uh, hails from Maine. We spend a lot of time talking about a hermit from Maine. So I'm going to tell a story from the state of Maine. It's a close encounter of the first kind from January 28th, 1998. So a 17-year-old witness and her younger brother were driving home to Standish southward and were near Sabaco Lake where her brother spotted something strange in the sky. Is that an airplane, he asked? In front of them, diagonally to the right, was something strange indeed. She pulled off the road, keeping the motor running and headlights into hazard or headlights and hazard lights on. About 100 feet off the ground, uh, quote, three telephone poles high, unquote, hanging and silently swinging back and forth in midair were five lights. Four of them were amber-colored and triangular-shaped. They defined the corners of a large, quote, warehouse, <laughs> warehouse size, unquote, diamond configuration, uh, a skewed rectangle, I guess. What was the shape of this? Uh, the fifth was a large red flashing octagon shaped light in the middle. The fifth light also appeared to be at one edge at some point, suggesting it was hanging below the surface plane of the other lights. Surrounding the diamond shape was a grayish fog like aura shaped like an elongated octagon. The witness was stunned but not afraid. Uh, my insides were tingling, and I felt lost in time, they said. The two left the car to get a better look at the swaying object. In about three minutes, all lights suddenly turned off, the objects and the cars, at the same time. The object had moved, but it had not completely left. Its lights came back on as it crossed a street some distance away. The car lights, too, came back on. They got back into the car to continue their trip homeward. She could not get the car to go over 45 miles per hour and could not keep it from swerving. In about three minutes, her brother shouted, Holy shit, it's following us. In the mirror, she could see a flashing red light coming upon them. It streaked over the car and away out of sight. And that's it. That's what happened to these folks in Maine. Holy shit, it's following us. Indeed. Uh, yeah, the, the the mechanical failures, it's always interesting. And the fact that it seemed to fuck up their transmission and their steering is... Uh, how do you explain that? I don't know. I really don't. But that is what happened to these folks. That is the exhumed excerpt. Uh, brought it out for some fresh air, for some fresh ears to, to, to analyze it think about it, uh, and talk about it. And if you know anything about this sighting, or if you know anything about Maine and some sightings that happen in Maine, you got a similar story, write me, lostrhetoricpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to talk to you. Okay. Uh, let's get into this conversation with me and Adam. Um, but before we do, there's a couple things I wanted to mention. Uh, last week on the show with Nate, I, I started out the conversation by saying... Uh, you know, I do the new word of the night every week and I opened up the uh, dictionary to the word rhythm and it had something, it was a synchronistic thing that had to do with our conversation. 
I didn't mention this to Adam, but the same fucking thing happened tonight. I opened up the dictionary and I even hesitated at where I kind of thumbed it. I was like, oh, this is feels like the same spot I opened it up to last week. But fuck it, I'm just going to open it. So I opened it up. And not the first word that I saw, but close to it was peace. Like peace, man. Peace, brother. Let's all be peaceful. And that's a lot of what we talk about tonight and just in Buddhism and the hermits that we talk about and the spiritual journey that a lot of these hermits go on. And it was just another one of those, those things that happened. It's like the new word of the night is becoming this uh, cosmic thing that just every week it, it's, it's speaking to me. So uh, I just wanted to say that, but also I was having some weird technical issues today. Like it took us a few attempts to get this conversation started because there was a lot of crackling and there was a delay and I had to switch microphones. And at the very top of the conversation, I can tell, I don't know if you can, but there's a a few minutes of uh, maybe some crackles and maybe some weird uh, gaps because I think there was a delay in the conversation. Like he couldn't hear me for a second or two after I had spoken, but then I cut my phone off. I was like, something's screwing up my Wi-Fi signal. I, I think it's on my end. And I cut my fucking phone off. And as soon as I cut my phone off, everything got better. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the first few minutes of this conversation are great, but it might the, the, the pace might be a little weird. So just wanted to, to let you know. Uh, Adam doesn't even know that. So Adam, now you know. All right, here we go. Here, here Here's me and Adam Wilson. You can hear me? Well, I can hear you. Man, you know what? So far, I sound a lot better to myself. How do I sound? You sound great. Fucking A. Uh, for you the sound l- younger. <laughs> That's not to account for the, the stress. Um, well, let's, <laughs> let's just roll with it. I, I had to switch mics. Um, I don't know if that's the problem or not. If it is, my almost brand new mic just kind of shit the bed. So far, this one, my old one's sounding better. There's some still, there's still some weird crackling. So I apologize if the crackling is actually being recorded to anyone that might be listening. <laughs> yeah, because it's that's just, including the FBI, including the FBI. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, no, uh, it is funny that we're doing we're doing this episode about hermits, and I'm having like crazy technical problems that I've never had. Like this crackling problem has never been an issue, like this bad. Like, I mean, uh, it's not. Yeah, it's just in the dead space. There's just crackling constantly, and it's pretty fucking annoying. But I can't do anything about it. So that is how we're gonna roll tonight, Adam. Um, cool. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And there's no more delay. You can hear me. Yeah. Seems pretty instant. Okay. So, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, maybe someone lost interest that was listening. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? It's who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Alien. <laughs> aliens, you know, <laughs> yeah, every, time, every time there's a technical problem, it's uh, it's either aliens or it's, um, it's you know, uh, the, yeah, it's like the FBI, the CIA, it's uh, men in black. It's somebody it's somebody trying to stop us talking about hermits, which who would want to do that? Yeah. 
I don't, I mean, I, seemingly I, a lot of people. It seems like a lot. <laughs> There's a cabal of people trying to stop this conversation right now, and I don't understand. So leave us alone. My God. Yeah. Well, seriously. Fucking A. Well, I'm glad you're with me, Adam. Thank you for being here. Uh, like, as I've mentioned, of course. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So tonight we're going to talk about um, hermits and uh it's pretty fucking awesome i've been actually having a really good time researching this one because it's brought it's brought up a lot of things that uh, i used to be interested in and i kind of fell off uh thinking about or uh whatever i don't know like uh especially the buddhist (laughs) spiritual aspect uh that can come along with it but like you know a hermit living in a hermitage practicing hermitism is 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 like a practice that's as old as recorded time like five thousand years plus and be like beyond there's just been fucking hermits for oh yeah um yeah and and there's a lot pretty much every culture every society they uh were treated differently or looked at differently throughout different eras and different cultures and whatnot yeah but it's always something people have, it's it's kind of normal really it's as weird as people think it is it's clearly uh regular occurrence therefore is arguably normal <laughs> right yeah right? It, it doesn't it doesn't go away it pers- it's a it's a practice that persists it's the it's the reasons why that i guess differ um and there's many yeah. there's many uh but before we kind of get into some examples of hermits because we're going to go through a few well-known and kind of historical hermits and uh hermit practices but i wanted to get into yeah why why would you if you were to become a hermit maybe you are now maybe because there there are people in modern society that you know own property live in like have cars have cell phones and just you know live a kind of hermit life and consider themselves hermits but um if you were to seriously kind of go off the grid and uh be that hermit i guess in the woods like i mean what would what would you see as your reasons justifiable reasons to do it and how would you go about it like how would you practice your hermitism (laughs) my hermitism (laughs) uh well i am sort of a hermit i i do spend a lot of time alone and people i don't know a lot of people don't know what to think about me sometimes or that might be something in my head because of the way i think but I do kind of isolate myself and hang out alone a lot and prefer, I'm kind of a, I'm an uh, extroverted introvert. So I like people, but in small doses and, you know, Mm one-on-one. And so that's probably why this subject really appeals to me and I empathize, but also, you know, I know I don't consider myself exactly the same as these people I've been reading about, but I can definitely, it's not that, crazy to me at all it's not no, crazy I, to me at all, but, I feel the, I feel you know, the same way I go, I feel the same you way know. yeah 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 I and a lot of people do really you know more or less and 
some people act on it more or less than each other. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, as far, as far as why for, for me, I've always felt, a, you know, I've like many or most people I've struggled with what is the norm and what are responsibilities we have to, and, you know, status in our society, uh, to be successful and be a functioning person, uh, not feeling like you fit in, uh, not wanting for myself, not really wanting what many people see as a, you know, a regular, regular goals or a lifestyle, you know, having, having kids and, you know, 2.5 children and mm -hmm. having a house and a career and stuff like that. It's like, I've had, I've had jobs and whatnot, but I just, I'm not sure that the, the family and suburban thing are quite my jam. And, uh, it, there's a lot of pressure, you know, to, to, you know, I don't know, to, to fulfill these, like this preconceived destiny. And, uh, you know, you feel sort of out of place sometimes like an outsider and in the world because of not just because you don't want something other people want because they feel it almost seems like they feel weird that you don't want what they want even <laughs> though it's okay you know right yeah it's their, their, their <laughs> does that perception. make sense <laughs> yeah it's their, their perception i mean they're they are bringing their uh expectations of themselves and what they expect out of a functional member of society onto you and your life and you're supposed to live by those expectations and when you uh don't and you have a different approach and that approach might be a uh, kind of a solitary approach uh you're a fucking weirdo yeah <laughs> yeah uh and that's just normally and, yeah that i mean a, a lot of the times it's not the case you're you're not weird at all it's just what you prefer what's that i said a lot Say of the, a lot of the times uh it's you're not weird at all it's just what you prefer exactly yeah i don't yeah and i don't really think i'm weird uh anymore i maybe i used to uh mm -hmm. and but i've come to terms with who i am you know and uh i think that uh we are advancing to some extent, you know, human beings and uh, acknowledging that, you know, the personality types and, uh, you know, that ADD we thought it was, you know, a lot of you know, the size of blue jeans so we can sell them to the masses, you know, have two pants sizes instead of six or eight sizes to go by. Uh, we're streamlining our, uh, education, you know, mm -hmm. for, you know, and, uh, you know, how we conceive people at normality and it's not that simple, you know, <laughs> yeah, man. it's a little more, more elaborate than that, but, you know, uh, I like doing things that, uh, if something bothers or intimidates me, I like to make force myself to, to, to jump, you know, over that hurdle. Uh, and you know, like, that's why I got my driver's license. Cause I was scared to drive. Mm. And, uh, so I, I have a different approach to being a hermit in that I like being around people and observing them. And I also like forcing myself to have some human contact because I don't want to get to, 
you know, the point of like Christopher Knight, where he feels super weird around people, can't even look them in the eye. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent tw- 27 years with, with almost no contact, you know, and uh, I don't know something about that, that I don't want to go that far off. I want, I don't want to say the deep end because there's nothing, I don't think anything wrong with isolating oneself if they wanted to do that. But uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know something about something that bothers me. Yeah. I just like to, uh, I, I sort of enjoy like making myself being out of my element. <laughs> right. So be, being a pavid person makes you persevere to uh, broaden your horizons. So you, you feel out of place, but you kind of, uh, I don't want to say get off on that, but it like st- stimulates you to the point where it's like, it's a challenge to, yeah. to, to do something different and you don't want to run away from it. You want to like fucking learn from it. That's like your personality. You know? Yeah. And I want to, I, I want to evolve. And I think that part of it is that, you know, through these recent times and just throughout different eras of my life, I've come to realize despite thinking I don't like people I do I love people and they're super interesting and relationships are super worth it and uh I just uh don't like it in high doses and the way my brain works I can't think straight (laughs) with without having some solitude and some isolation uh it uh, it really does get to me. So I'll always probably need that and probably need even more than I get. But right. I also, I also do crave the interaction and, uh, you know, people to tell ja- dad jokes to, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the, 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 there have been a bunch of studies and I, I don't know how many, but there's apparently been a shit ton that have, essentially concluded that time alone makes you calmer, healthier, smarter, and happier. Like you don't, you don't have to be a a recluse, but when you need it, you take it, you know? Um, And that's just for people living in the modern world. And there was a recent, and this is, people don't like to be alone. And I, you know, I actually, I actually like to be alone a lot. Uh, Me too. But I'm also, the kind of person that when I am alone, it's hard to not uh, like be watching TV or reading a book or like staring at my phone or texting someone or just interacting in some way or like playing guitar. You know what I mean? Uh, Yep. So there's that whole idea of being alone, but being in silence. And there is this UVA study, University of Virginia that showed, and I think this is just in America, that 60% of men and 35% of women would rather give themselves electric shocks than sit alone in silence for 15 minutes. <laughs> Can you believe that shit? Can I try both? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I... <laughs> Shock me when it's been 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that is, that is crazy in a sense because um, I know on a day-to-day basis that if I, if I adapted some form of meditation, you know, if I could, I mean, I can't fucking get 15 minutes of silence with a two-year-old unless it's like midnight or something. Uh, but I, I should, <laughs> I should like take advantage of that, but I don't, but I always, it's always been a part of my, my brain and uh, my shortcomings, I guess, as it, as it, as it pertains to this calmness, because 
I can't, I don't, what keeps me from that silence is like the fear of the silence, you know? Or yeah. Like, well, or like what I'm going to have to put I'm on music. About. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I don't know. Uh, it's just, yeah. Different brains are, are really interesting. I mean, part of what I think is happening to you and many people is that we're used to being overstimulated yeah. in a te- technology era. And that's why it's your brain can literally grow by just spending a half an hour off away from technology, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, man. No, it's, it's it seems very true. And that that author of the um, Christopher Knight book that we're going to get into. Um, what the fuck is his name? Um, I totally forget. Uh, but he I listened to this interview with him and um, Michael Finkel. That's his name. He, he said, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he had this great thing. He's like, he wanted what he wanted everyone to do basically in society to make society essentially a better place. He said, the next time you have nothing to do, do nothing. Yeah. Like, like don't like literally nothing, just fucking sit there in silence and don't do a fucking thing. And not only will, if I like, have enough people do it, you know, that makes more people more calm and more happy and more relaxed. And if it's just, if you just practice that five, 10, 15 minutes a day, just do nothing. You know, maybe your life will be better and you'll live longer and the world will be, will be better. And I totally subscribe to that. That Yeah, idea. for sure. Yeah. Well, that's a thing. If uh, people like can dial themselves out of being overstimulated, they might find a lot of their uh, mental inefficiencies can be at least somewhat relieved, you know, we're, you know, everyone, no one wants silence. No one wants to be away from the technology and no one wants to be understimulated, but we also have a massive percentage of anxiety and depression and ADD and all this stuff. And it's like, <laughs> there's seem there's a huge correlation with all that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think, you know, so you, you think that this overstimulated society and mental health issues, whether they're ignored or I guess created by, you know, like big pharma and fucking whatever, you know, I have this whole idea is like, if you, if you tell someone that they are something that yeah. fucks them up forever. So definitely if you, if you, yeah. t- if you tell someone that, whatever that they are definitively like bipolar or ADD or whatever. And I just feel like you, uh, and, and you medicate them, medicate them that yeah. ruins their, their mind forever. They, they are, there is a, a stigma that they, it, it's, a um, disabling of their ability to overcome that the thought that they're even fucking normal. Yeah, it's it's just, uh, it's just learned I could, helplessness. Like they just, I can, I can definitely down. attest to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would uh, always have a hard time in school paying attention and always had anxiety. But at a pretty young age, I was diagnosed with ADD and anxiety, and they wanted to put me on medication. And I was actually really lucky because my parents gave me the choice mm-hmm. and I, ch- I chose not to take Ritalin. Awesome. That's great. Um, and I later tried it, uh, just from someone and really didn't even like it. 
the way it made me feel and was super stoked that no one made me take it. I was lucky in a lot of ways to have parents who wanted me to, you know, decide some things like that for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, I've, I've done Ritalin, but it's like, for me, it's an upper. So Ritalin's like the cocaine of, uh, over the, or prescription, uh, stimulants. You got to do like, you gotta, you gotta snort a fucking, I mean, depends on the dosage of course, but when I did it, it was like, oh man, let's just crush it up and keep doing it for like every 10 minutes. It was like snorting lines. You had to keep doing it to stay high. I was like, this sucks. Just give me some Adderall and I'll be high all night from taking one pill. That'd be great. But I didn't, (laughs) yeah, I didn't really like Adderall either. That stuff really messed with my head. Uh, But but I'm not ADD clinically. Like I'm not ADD. So it has a different uh, effect on my brain. Well, and I don't know if like being someone with ADD, but also uh, being very, having a lot of anxiety, I'm like, how do you treat that with something that's like a stimulant Mm -hmm. when I like really, really don't need stimulants as a person, you know, I, I don't know. It's supposed to, it's supposed to counteract the, the hyperness in in a person with ADD from what I understand. And it's has the opposite effect with someone who doesn't have ADD has always been my understanding, but weird. Maybe I was misdiagnosed with ADD and it's just plagued me. Dude, I just have like a horrible attention span. So I believe it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I could be wrong about that. My, you know, crude assessment of what it, what it means, but um, yeah, I mean, but I also don't, yeah. I also don't doubt at all that you were misdiagnosed because that's the problem with people in, in modern society being told that they are these things. And then there's just that learned helplessness and then all the anxiety and everything that comes along that, along with that. And, you know, why, when you feel like an outsider and then you're basically told you're an outsider, why the fuck wouldn't you want to leave this place and go into the woods? Well, and yeah, be by yourself if if you if you got these problems that no one wants to deal with and you feel like you're socially inept and you know like you just go be by well, yourself and be happy you know yeah for sure I mean I I may have had a hard time paying attention because I'm a really visual learner and mm-hmm. the particular teachers weren't good at telling me how what I was learning applied to the real world and for someone like me maybe it you know, I can place more importance if they can show me and purvey to me how it applies to real life. So it seems useful to me mm-hmm. and also teach me in a visual manner. Uh, I'm someone that if you show somebody, show me how to do it physically, I can, ju- I can learn a lot of things quicker than a lot of people. I'm the exact same show, way. Show me. I'm the exact you know? same way. Show me once and I'll, I'll get it. And maybe that's just the uh, streamlining of, education at least in america from what i've experienced at least uh the downfall of it because it only works for a certain amount of people and then if you it doesn't work for you you have problems (laughs) yeah and see i mean i'd imagine a lot of these um current hermits are a product of this uh society this this western uh pharma big pharma society where it's just um, tell people they got a problem and give them the drugs that we want to sell to them and, uh, whatever, don't worry about it. They'll, they're not our problem. You know, you just, I don't know. Yeah. But it, 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 it's pretty frustrating to think about, but uh, I keep thinking, I just randomly watched this, uh, um, Doug Stanhope 
snippet of his part of his stand-up and he was talking about how he's got ADD and his mind just goes fucking crazy and he can't sleep when he's like sober basically <laughs> and his mind is <laughs> like the circus tent goes up when he tries to go to sleep but he doesn't hate it he loves it because he's not like the rest of this fucking capitalistic consumer uh fucking consumerist con- society he's like i'm different and i fucking love it i'm weird but i don't give a shit and you know that's yeah that's a rarity for uh, a person who f- knows they're weird to actually like take it as a positive thing but a lot of these hermits some of these hermits we're going to talk about they actually they're basically geniuses yeah and they just dipped they're like yeah i have no use for this i don't give a fuck i'm out fuck you guys yeah maybe i need an iq test (laughs) maybe oh but before i forget we didn't really get into how what kind of hermit would you be oh yeah. Well, uh, and we briefly talked about this uh, before we got on here uh, recently, but um, I would I wouldn't be completely isolated from people, even though isolation sounds appealing and I could use doses of isolation. Uh, but the kind of hermit that I would probably be if I decided to effectively walk into the woods and never come back. Uh, I would probably go to another country and just live and, you know, experience completely different culture where no one, I don't, nobody speaks my language and I have to just completely restart Hmm. as a person and re-communicate with people. I don't know. That's, that's the most appealing thing to me uh, that I could think of. that's that's really off the grid like you can't even talk to somebody if you wanted to unless you know unless you're playing music or using hand gestures you know well and it's interesting how well you actually can communicate Mm -hmm. with with them though you know and i've experienced it a little bit i mean i've been to uh, some countries in europe where some of the places i a lot of places people spoke English, but some of the places that I went, uh, you know, even grocery stores and various things like in the Czech Republic or whatever, like nobody spoke English and I had to just figure things out and like use my debit card and figure out what things were, you know, without knowing the language. And, uh, you know, that to me was like an interesting form of isolation, you know, and I've experienced that even with communication is super interesting to me. And, you know, I had an old, old coworker who was hearing impaired who, you know, people who were there for years would hadn't still barely conversed with the guy because they were too intimidated to tell him that they didn't understand what he was saying or have him repeat himself. Mm-hmm. And, and he wanted that more than you would ever think. It's mm-hmm. like, please, please tell me you don't know what I'm saying, because that means you're actually giving me your time to figure out what, you know the communication instead of pretending you're understanding me <laughs> right right you know and uh but there's like a lot of communication that's like body language mm-hmm. and uh you know uh sign language happened for i think for a reason i don't know much about the origins but i mean communicating with your hands like there's a lot of sign language that carries over in other languages because it's like what comes natural to communicate uh visual it's like playing you know uh Pictionary or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like 
Sh- uh, charades you know? or you know yeah charades yeah yeah is that maybe that's what it is yeah but uh yeah i don't know communication is interesting but uh i got way off uh base <laughs> but uh yeah i that would be my rendition i think but i also i don't know it's like maybe if i'm al- alive for as long as i could possibly live that's a long time and things may change and you still might be, you might be doing an episode about me someday. Uh, <laughs> no, I would love nothing about, more. I would love nothing more than 20 years from now. I do an episode about the infamous hermit, Adam Wilson, the, yeah, the, the yeah. infamous European hermit. <laughs> yeah. He just lives in, he was living in a vineyard for 20 years and they didn't even know. <laughs> he built his own solar panels out of, <laughs> god knows yeah. what trash you found from the ocean i could do that yeah see you got the skills it's all that's the thing it's like life is um one thing i i learned or relearned is like everything is practice man everything you do is practice you just keep getting better and better at things and you keep gaining these skills next thing you know you're in the middle of the woods building solar panels out of trash because you practice it's true yeah life, you know? well and that's the thing about um you know, embracing different people and what they want, even if they're not predisposed to as predisposed or to, to have this, the same things or learn them the same way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can learn to read you obviously, and you, so you can learn to learn and you can learn to be around people if you so desire. And that's part of why I force myself to interact with people because mm-hmm. I do desire that. And I like the challenge of learning how to, you know, to communicate and, uh, you know, change my perspective and uh, just force myself. To, and yeah. that's, that's, you know, that's the thing. I people like that. Can, can evolve, you know? Yeah. I like that learning to be around people. That's a good way to put it. Um, a lot of these, uh, ancient as it were and uh these spiritual hermits uh throughout uh india and china and a lot of the old um uh christian and catholic hermits from you know whatever 2500 years ago or however long um they they have a i don't know they have a an interesting approach because it is it's studying they're studying really yeah you know and it's it's not like a a fuck society move it's um i'm i've got to learn and yeah and it's not and, and there is and this is another thing about being a hermit in certain kinds of hermits you can still be a hermit most hermits actually do interact with people actually all of them except for possibly one who <laughs> we're going to talk about yeah a little bit later <laughs> uh yeah most uh, of them do. He but, even did. Yeah. Uh, barely, but yeah. Um, yeah, you, you, you have to, as a hermit, it's, it's a weird dynamic because whether it's a, a spiritual quest or it's a fuck society, I don't want to be a part of it or fuck technology, uh, whatever your, the impetus is to, to, to make the leap, you still need society. And you still, yeah. it, it, it's just weird dynamic where, all right, I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm going to go away and do my own thing. But every once in a while, you got to go into town and get provisions or someone like in, in China, like laymen come up into the, the hills with supplies to sell food 
and things. And uh, certain people steal, they leech off society. They, they, yep. you know, and uh, that's whatever, like they, they use the library shit like that. It just happened. That's just, you're still a part of society and you still use society most of the time. But um, these ancient, I keep saying ancient, but like, I've been really into the Indian, mainly like the Buddhist uh, hermits. Yeah. Because I, I have like this, uh, if there's any religion in the world that I've, I've ever been drawn to and relate with more than any is, is Buddhism, which is, you know, I, it's, it started in India with Siddhartha Gautama. And I always think of it as like a Asian, I mean, it is Asia, but I always think of it as like a Chinese or like Tibetan religion, but it's Indian, you know, like, uh, yeah. well, it's what, it, what is now Nepal, I guess is where he was from. But, um, Buddha was a hermit, man. Yep. You know, One of the most famous. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a fucking hermit, you know, there's, and, and Jesus, like a, a lot of these, uh, Christian and Catholic, uh, hermits, like, or, in in uh, the christian uh hermits of like the early whatever third century or some shit that in whatever in egypt they wanted to follow a closer path to jesus and live like jesus so what do you do you go in the fucking desert and you like be a hermit yeah i mean we've always sought advice from hermits because hermits have an outside perspective mm-hmm that wisdom you know, they, they've lived that consecrated life they got that deep wisdom it's yeah and uh there's you know it's pretty i think it's relatable i mm-hmm. mean i think that you know practicing something can teach you that's the only way to learn something but in a lot of ways not reflecting on it you know reflecting on it will help you learn it as well and so maybe that's part of it reflecting on society is a way people choose to learn about it instead of being a part of it mm-hmm. in a way and you know that's uh you can get perspective from somebody like that that you can't get from somebody who's submerged in our society and that's why we've always sought advice from hermits you know but only in like modern eras in certain uh civilizations are we shunning people for being a hermit and that's to me it uh kind of seems dangerous in a way that you know is that is that a, isn't that a sign is that a bad sign where mm-hmm. instead of these people are weird let's ostracize them and worship technology instead. right like it's kind of flipped because yeah uh there's this thing for a few decades and i'm not exactly sure where in, in the history of time this fit in but maybe you know but there were these things like ornamental hermits like hermits for hire to share wisdom yeah. yeah like many villages in i don't know early times in england and like the the dynastic era in china mm-hmm. uh was one of the one of the ones i read about a lot and uh they had a hermit uh ornamental hermit every a lot of the villages there they would bring them food and like almost like <laughs> not really like a sacrifice but at the same time it kind of reminds me of that because they would bring them food and like bless them and uh everybody would go to them for advice you know and they would even get uh appointed uh 
high government positions because they were seen as least corrupt and wise and had a, a interesting and unique perspective, you know, on the world. Right. See, this is all right. So this is kind of what I <laughs> kind of how I want to start talking about this. I want to because these ornamental hermits is a great example of how they kind of used to be revered. I mean, they would hire hermits to come in and uh, dispel wisdom upon, amongst the people and uh, spit knowledge, you know, and as the kids say. And that idea, as we've already kind of alluded to, has changed. Now it's like, fuck hermits. They're gross. They're weird. I don't want to, if you see them, like, call the cops. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, like this in America anyway. <laughs> Yeah, definitely this definitely an american this thing. person's a this person's a creep a yeah. creep and you know we're and i that's what i want to do i want to i want to start talking about uh i how the de-evolution of the uh, perception of hermits start with uh the i let's dub them the good guys and then we'll we'll go all the way down to the the bad guys <laughs> that kind of ruined it the the perception but uh yeah I watched that 2014 documentary called Hermits, um, where it's Bill Porter who wrote that book, uh, Road to Heaven, Encounters with Chinese Hermits. And he's like famous for uh, translating uh, sutras and spreading yeah. spreading Buddhism throughout the world because he translated the the texts for for many to to be able to read and you know in english and i'm sure that led to whatever other many languages um but he wrote that book and it was published in 93 and this documentary is 2014 where he goes back to uh i'm gonna butcher it because i don't speak chinese but jian is the name of the town and in the zongyang mountains there's a yeah yeah it's like isn't it just zongman zongnan yeah i don't know what i said but yes zongnan sounds now that I'm looking at it, that seems like exactly how you say it. Um, but but uh, in 2014, when he went, I guess there's about 200 hermits that live there. And it's pretty crazy because he's on this trail and there's just huts. And there's these yeah. makeshift uh, people who got caves. There's people who have literally dug caves by hand with chisels. Um, and he keeps referencing how how many more there are since the last time he was there you know like 25 years ago or 20 years ago um yeah well i even read that um that there were like upwards of 600 hermits mm. there damn well this is back in 2014 maybe now in 2021 it's just gotten oh i think yeah maybe uh and I, I was just reading that like thousands of like younger people were uh still travel there from like all over to uh seek advice from mm -hmm. these these hermits as well which so it's like that it's not completely dead that uh that hermits are seen as valued perspective no, i i think know? it's a i think it's a beautiful thing because he would he would just and he's 71 years old at this time so he's an older man and he's just hiking up these i mean these things are on mountain tops and you have narrow rock trails. It, it's like a cartoon, you know, Yeah. Like this where, where the locations of some of these huts. And this old man is just going there 
and he'll he just goes and knocks on the doors if they have doors or on the gates or whatever he can knock on and he'll ask like is the master in you know because there's masters and laymen and apprentices usually at some of these places or most of these places huh. oh, and okay. uh and he knows some of them because he's been there before but he'll just go he'll just knock and be like this is who i am and a lot of people know his book so if he says yeah i'm the author of road to heaven they're like hell yeah come in i want to talk to you like, <laughs> i think it would be of value to talk to you you know um nice so it's just cool seeing him go and everyone's just so welcoming and just yeah let me show you what i'm doing and why let me tell you why i'm here and you know this is my routine and uh this this one guy says he spends about nine dollars a month nine dollars in u.s dollars like he'll go he'll go down into the town to buy rice noodles cooking oil salt and like some things small things uh, like once or twice a month, and, but you know, he's also growing his own vegetables. And, and like yeah. I said, they buy stuff from people passing through, you know, and he, it's just very, everyone's got their own approach, but they're all in the mountains up there. Um, they're like scholars. They're like, yeah, they're, 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 they're trying to seek wisdom and enlightenment and they're trying to lead that they're, and all they do is like recite sutras and chant and just they write them out and they just study them and they just they're all like so knowledgeable of of buddhism it, it's yeah. it's, it's amazing it's beautiful to, to just listen to the conversations and the silence in the conversations because there's nice little gaps where they're just everyone's just smiling and staring out into the sky and then you just there's no awkwardness about it like no you know like in western culture you just have to always be talking or it's awkward yeah. or it's awkward as fuck like there's none of that stuff you know yeah well my favorite people are the ones who i can have some silence with because i feel like a lot of people bother me because they don't allow for any silence or even for you to get your thoughts in you know Mm -hmm. it, a lot of conversations seem one-sided and so i've always had a problem where i can be a huge defeatist if i'm reading a conversation that way and then people are like super weirded out that i like like abruptly ended the conversation but i just felt like it didn't matter what i had to say didn't matter so why, why are we doing this <laughs> <laughs> wait are you accusing me of something right now no <laughs> <laughs> no i'm fucking around but you're you're you you're one of the few people I'm 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 uh, categorizing uh, as I to I can have my word and uh, some silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, well, I appreciate that, and I feel the same. The feeling is reciprocal. Uh, nice. But they there's a saying: if you can bear the unbearable, you are the master of emptiness, and <laughs> that that's part of that's part of the some some of some of the philosophy of being the the approach to being a, a buddhist hermit it, like the unbearable being I, I guess the solitude and the loneliness that could come along with it but the weather and the hardships that come along with it and whatever comes along with building whatever you're trying to build not exactly working out but when you're practicing all this on a day-to-day -day basis and you can master it like that's wisdom that you're gathering and that's the whole like fucking point that's why these people become hermits to master emptiness you know 
Well, yeah. And I wonder, I, I haven't looked into like what the, uh, you know, life expectancy age is for these, uh, if it varies or if there's hermit cultures that live a really long time, because I've always read that uh, the longest living people in the world are the people who stay physically and mentally active, mm -hmm. you know, and use it or lose it, you know, absolutely. And, uh, there's we a, see that a lot. <laughs> there's a there's a 90 year old man I always run into walking around with the my boy in the hood named Cal, and that's his saying: use it or lose it. He he rides his bike with his little helmet every once in a while, nice. and he's always got like a wool sweater on, no matter what he's doing. And he's just <laughs> walking around the neighborhood, you know. And uh, awesome, yeah, use it or lose it. Very true. Um, but it was cool because Bill Porter sits down with this this woman who. Uh, Talks about her routine. This is what she does every day. If you don't, if you will indulge me. Yeah. The, the life of a, a, a Buddhist hermit in the Zonggon mountains. If, if that's how you say it. I apologize to anyone butchering it. But 4.30 a.m. <laughs> gets up and meditates. 6 a.m. goes for a walk. Comes back. Lights incense. Washes her face. Rinses her mouth. 8 a.m. Cooks breakfast. Chants sutras until around 11 a.m. Uh, she spends the rest of her day doing farm work and copying the sutras or reading them. And that's it. And then he asks, and I thought this was a really interesting question. He's like, do you chant it? Do you chant the sutras with your mouth or with your heart? And she says with her heart, because you have to be silent to nourish the spirit. Whoa. Right. I like that. No shit. So it's like really, and they, they go on about words. Words are an aid, is, is what someone else said, to help try to understand what you're, what you're feeling or thinking. Like, I've always heard, you know, words are the worst form of communication, and I believe that's true. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're misinterpreted all the fucking time, and the context is misinterpreted all the fucking time, and text messaging has made it a hundred times worse, <laughs> but absolutely. But yeah. 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 It's like, it's just beyond words. It's all beyond words. And it's all about uh, embracing silence and learning from that silence, man. And I, that's, well, that's, like, yeah, totally. I think that's why I, I feel like I've always been able to communicate with people and not been tried not to be intimidated by communicating, communicating with somebody that either didn't speak my language or, doesn't hear you know mm -hmm. because i think that there's a lot of communication that can be done yeah man. without lang language you know yeah when, when i first moved to santa fe new mexico i had to I, I stayed at the hostel i didn't have a place to live i just moved there i literally i got accepted to school and i didn't even like get a room on campus i didn't have a place to live i was just winging it totally winging it and i just stayed at the hostel for like two or three weeks and there was a bunch of Japanese folks there. And uh, once I got to know them, we would just like party on the porch or on the patio every night. Like they'd come back from their adventures and uh, I would just sit and man, some of them spoke great English, but a lot of them none. And we would have the best conversations, not talking at all, like just laughing. And it was the best time just communicating that way uh that makes total sense to me yeah. uh and and so, you know 
probably very little arguments, you know? No, not none. Zero, obviously. <laughs> like there was no misunderstanding. It was all, it was like all love from the beginning, but there's nothing to misinterpret other than hand gestures and smiles, you know? Um, well, yeah, and it's keeping it simple. So you're going back to like the root of, of our existence and just being, you know, acknowledging that we're still just animals trying to live and, you know, evolve and uh, stimulate our minds, you know? Yeah, man. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, getting getting more into uh, like another person that i wanted to talk about was richard pranicky um yeah who i don't know if you I, I brought him up to you he he is a person that i've drawn inspiration from in the last few years i got to give a shout out to dave esquibel and uh the alone in the wilderness dvds that he owns uh but this guy richard pranicky uh he he moved to alaska he lived a whole life. He was 53 when he moved out there. And for about 30 years, he lived in a log cabin that he built with his bare fucking hands. And the documentaries Alone in the Wilderness and Alone in the Wilderness 2 are all like, um, I think it's all 16 millimeter footage that he shot of himself. He would just set the camera up and do the work. and someone's narrating because his journals have been published. There's been a book written about this guy. He was like a naturalist, a conservationist, a writer, a photographer. He was in the Navy. He was a diesel mechanic. He was a fisherman. He had like shit ton of skills. Yeah. And he was just a woodworking uh, genius. Like uh, he, he totally, I think when he first packed in, he just had the heads of his tools and he built the handles for them. And then it was game on after that. And he literally chopped down trees and had rope and would just haul them. There's footage of him just hauling them himself and he would stack them up and whatever. That's crazy. Everything was made of wood. Um, well, and he, his cabin was also really nice. It wasn't, yeah. I looked at, I, I did look into him after we talked and, and it's crazy how sophisticated to some extent and like precise looking it was, it wasn't some like, piece of shit shack or something it's no. crazy <laughs> no he, he he had a plan to go into the woods and build his forever home you know and he but he was the kind of hermit where he lived that whole life and he had a family he had kids um but and this is this is near the twin lakes area somewhere in alaska in the mountains of alaska i've never been there i don't know where it is um but he did all of his hunting and fishing and he grew his own food and built everything by hand, did all that stuff, but he would occasionally have supplies flown in. He had a friend that was a pilot that would, you know, bring him uh mail and food and he would order shit out of the Sears Roebuck catalog that would, you know, get, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would get brought to him. Like he wasn't fully detached. Uh, and yeah, so he was mostly alone, but he would get like special shit. And he would like, I, I assume, go for plane rides with his buddy and go to different places and like have these things every once in a while. But essentially for 30 years, live by himself, you know. 
And yeah, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's the kind of hermit I would think I would like to be is go, go out there. It's, it's, it's like go out there and do everything for yourself. Right. Uh, but I don't obviously have the skills that Richard Pranicky has because this guy could, it seems do anything, honestly, um, and do it really, really well. But it seems like the, the into the wild guy, I don't know his fucking name, but the book and the Sean Penn movie about the guy going into the, the woods and eating the wrong fucking berries and dying. Cause he didn't know what he was doing and he didn't know that he was close to civilization. He had no clue. So he died. But he, yeah, it's like he was trying to be Richard Prenicky or trying to approach it the same way and just yeah, because that life did apply to him. He just didn't really, you know, it's actually almost what uh, Christopher Knight did. It's just mm-hmm. that Christopher Knight decided, figured out that he could break into cabins. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a good segue because from Richard Prenicky, this like totally kind of pristine uh, just did every he didn't have to be a succubus on society he could he had the skills to do everything himself you know yeah he, he ended up going back to society um right because he whatever he got old and uh he had to he moved back to uh at 83 when he was 83 years old in 1999 he moved to california and he lived with his brother and he died of a stroke in 2003 when he was 86. So he spent the last three years of his life Damn. in California. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure his family put him up to it or maybe he just wanted to be with family the last few years. doesn't matter. That's how he lived his hermit lifestyle. That was his choice. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's a he's from Iowa, Donaldson, Iowa. And there's a museum about this guy where there's a replica of his fucking or his hometown is Primrose. but um there's a there's a fucking exhibit that has a total replica of the cabin and shit i don't know i want to go wow i definitely want to (laughs) go there's a reason to go to iowa but there's a museum exhibit at the donaldson public library in donaldson which is near his hometown of Primrose. and yeah that's that's where the exhibit of uh or of the cabin in some of his writings and stuff is i assume it's still there this was in 2017 where it popped up oh, probably so yeah. hopefully it's per- a permanent thing um that would be cool yeah but i'd like to see that me too man but the same approach almost more like the end of the wild guy i'm totally spacing on his name uh i feel like i'm disrespecting his his life by not knowing his name but <laughs> i didn't i didn't look but anyway uh uh it, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll somebody will talk about it eventually. I'll post a link to it. Or something. Uh, Christopher McCandless. Christopher McCandless. Yeah. Okay. So kind of this Christopher Knight, Christopher McCandless, Prenicky all kind of almost had the same approach. Prenicky was way, way more organized and way, way more skilled than the latter two. Uh, but Christopher Knight is so interesting because he he just drove into the woods when he was 20 years old and never came out until well, maybe that, until yeah, that, <laughs> but we can get until into he that. was arrested yeah <laughs> yeah so but 
Well, Who's, you know, and that's the thing is like Prinicky had 33 years on him when he went to the woods. So he developed that's skills. That's true. That's true. Like Prinicky was a 53 year old man with a life of skills behind him. Uh, Christopher Knight decided to leave society when he was 20. Yeah. And, and didn't really have those skills. So maybe that's a, why he all he could figure out was becoming Rob, a burglar. <laughs> Robbing and stealing, man. Um yeah. Michael Finkel, the author of the book that you read, what is it called? Uh, a Stranger in the Woods. Stranger in the Woods. Yeah, he he's he said, and this is a very interesting because I listened to this uh interview with him, and um this is an interesting point. This is basically what you were just saying. Imagine being 20 years old, you or anyone listening at 20 going into the woods. And having no advice ever from anyone, none of your elders at all, and just trying to live your life and survive and learn and become uh, your version of whatever a man is or a woman or, you know what I mean? It's like a person with no advice from anyone. Just you are alone from 20 on. Like, what do you do? And what did Christopher Knight do? You know, he did some yeah. amazing shit. I got to say that. I mean, it's kind of amazing what he was able to do, you know, and he was, he was really intelligent. He read a lot. He came and, from a uh, pretty affluent, uh, skilled family. Like he, you know, they grew things and they had greenhouses and he grew up with skills. He knew they were, yep. kind of, he was kind of outdoorsy, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, and, and, you know, he didn't have a horrible upbringing, but he also kind of says they weren't like a, you know, a touchy feely kind of family either. And mm-hmm. I think he was someone who just felt like an outsider. So th- when he, you know, he got tired of it, just walked away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So w- what's his story set up the scene of Christopher Knight? Cause it's actually really interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's pretty, yeah, it's interesting. He, uh, 20 years old, walks into the woods, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I it doesn't go, it's, it's you know, there's, it, most of this is like interviews uh, with the off, author, Michael Finkel. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he, he gets to visit him in prison and, and you know, he's the one that basically apprehends like apprehends him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was, he was fishing wildlife. Uh, so he didn't even plan on, you know, trying to take somebody into custody or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so I don't know like a whole lot about his early years. Um, I know that, uh, he had a pretty tolerable upbringing, but he just wasn't like super close with his family. Uh, but you know, and he was kind of a quiet person. Um, it's interesting that his family didn't report him missing though. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, but he's an adult, he's 20. I don't know where he was living or with who, or if he told anyone he was going to do what he did, but yeah, that is interesting. huh? Yeah. I mean, supposedly he lived with his family until he left. That's so crazy. Yeah. Cause they say he just drove his Subaru brat. And I think that's pretty funny that he drove a brat. Cause maybe that's what he was. I don't know, but. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, 
I did forget some of this. He just drove uh, it as far as until he ran out of gas and he just like left. Yeah. He's on the dashboard. And, he, <laughs> and he owed his brother money for the car. No shit. So, yeah. He felt really bad for it for a lot of years, but they never reported him missing and his brother paid the car off. Oh my God. What? That's so nice of him. So it's really strange. So I guess I forget that he took a road trip and I forget where he went. Like, I want to say he went clear down to Florida or something like that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. But then he just like settled uh, back in Maine and just kind of decided to to leave it all. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, because this all he's known as the North Pond Hermit. Yeah. And th- this this North Pond is in the state of Maine, which is where he's from. And it's, yeah. This place is about 75 miles west of Bangor. If you're familiar with Maine, which I am not, it's one of the like four or five states I've never been to. Um, but uh, yeah, me too. yeah, uh, yeah, so that's th- that's where this takes place. I, I want to say it's like central Maine, some shit like that. Uh, but super thick woods. The way Finkel describes the woods in which Christopher Knight lived in from the age 20 to 47 is like deer don't even walk through it. It's so thick. Yeah. Well, and he also, yeah, for disappearing when he was 20 years old, he was super intelligent person. Mm -hmm. He had, uh, you know, miles of territory memorized to the point where he left no footprints. He would step on rocks and, you know, cl- trees or, or, you know, logs and various things, but he would just, he left no footprints. He would, uh, he wouldn't leave when there was snow, uh, because he didn't want to leave any footprints. Uh, he would always like take someone's canoe and uh, like dusk and like paddle right along the shadow of the shore and then like leave their canoe back where it was it's without a trace. Like <laughs> he was a- like, master thief <laughs> he was like an excellent cat burglar yeah like, like it's ridiculous no it's in a way uh and he could have taken a lot he could have t- you know i understand the invasiveness of you know watching people and breaking into their place uh and how that isn't cool but i also he didn't take very much you know i think he took like 40 dollars or something in the whole time he was isolated and he didn't spend any of it yeah, so 20, 27 years of breaking into what they estimate is around 100 different spots, cabins uh, around the area. And there's like summer camps and shit around there. Apparently he would break into. And that's where he was caught was like busting into a summer camp, stealing uh, hamburger and cheese or something. Um, yeah, and they walk in. Yeah, it was a lot of repeats because he broke in like a, he did like a yeah. thousand bur- burglaries. Yeah, but, but it was like uh, over 100 different spots that he just kept cycling through for 27 years and he would watch make sure no one was home so for hours at times watching the spot to make sure no one was there when he went in i'm like okay that's really cool that you're not stealing much and you're just stealing little things just to survive batteries magazines food whatever you you want um but it's just like the watching that is like the creepy thing to me, you know, that is just so yeah, <laughs> fucked up to me, but it's like, it's but, not like a pervert thing that he's doing. He's just, no, he just didn't want to get caught. 
Yeah, he's just trying to make sure he's in the clear. Yeah. But still, I mean, yeah. And people were looking for him for like so many years. And he had, you know, residents of that area that really did feel uncomfortable that people had been in their house, which is pretty understandable. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, they would like leave him notes and, and, uh, with a pen and be like, you know, let us know what you want and we'll leave it for you. You don't have to break in and people really? leave him, fo- leave him food and leave him all sorts of stuff. And he wouldn't even take the stuff he didn't because he didn't want to uh, confirm his existence. To uh, okay. And so he would never take anything that they left and he never wrote back to them uh, and See. just continued to break in and take like the bare minimum batteries and toiletries and food man see <laughs> see as a resident of that place that would be even creepier to me that the the break-in still happened and the guy or whoever it may be is just not communicating you know so i don't know it, i understand his his motives for trying to maintain that anonymity and just solitude but yeah it's, it's coming off I mean, his social skills are obviously real bad. Well, yeah, he left at the age of 20 and he just desperately wanted to live this life. So right. he didn't know any other way. No. And so it was actually a really big, um, like, a, it was very conflicting for him. You know, mm-hmm. it was a moral, it was a moral dilemma for him for the entirety of it. He felt bad. He still felt bad when he was captured that he uh, owed his brother money for the brat. Right. Yeah, I read that yeah. he never he never felt good about the stealing ever. And uh yeah, it's just something that he did to survive and it was just a part of the thing, but it was uh not necessarily his intention, but he that's what he set himself up for because he went he went into the woods with nothing and no yeah. wep- no weapons, no tent, no I got nothing. nothing. Like just fucking winging it so even like knowing that having survived 27 years is very impressive they say the only communication that he had in 27 years was saying hi to a passing hiker that he ran into one time yep that's it it. so this Michael Finkel says he, he claims to be basically at this point an expert on hermits. He's like read a hundred some odd books and read every fucking article on like the hermitary.com website. And just, yep. he's like, I, I know hermits at this point and not once have I found an example of a hermit ever in the history of recorded time that has been as isolated as Christopher Knight. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty unique scenario and for as long. Yeah. Like he every like we we mentioned at the top of the conversation, all every single hermit relies on society somehow. They're they're buying supplies that uh or they're just whatever. They're saying hi to their neighbors, they go for walks, they go into town. They're just like they live a solitary lifestyle, but they're not trying to get rid get away from everybody. Like they still do shit. Um yeah. But Christopher Knight was truly truly trying to be unseen undetected and just like a fucking ghost until he he wanted to stay there uh finkel says he knows for a fact he before he got busted he had full intentions to die there he was going to live the rest of his life 
where he lived in the woods. Yeah. I mean, aside from taking anything, he would like leave the places locked and uh, like he never broke in really like, or if he did, he figured a way to break in that he could fix when he left so that it was unnoticed. And a lot of times they didn't know how he got in multiple places. He actually had keys to. Oh, uh, he would take the keys. Yeah, because like the summer camp, he mm. found a key wow. in a desk and, and he actually wouldn't keep the keys. He would hide the key on the premises. Wow. See, man, that's, that's, that's admirable in a way. I mean, like he's got, he's got a code of ethics that he's abiding by. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I don't see the negative aspects of like, you know, I've had people like break into my car and I could just tell someone was in there. And, you know, even if they didn't take anything, I felt a little violated. And if it's a place you live, it's even worse. And so I do understand, you know, where people are coming from feeling violated by that. But he also was doing it in the most ethical way he possibly could. And yeah. he just saw it as the only way to live his life and be happy that way. And so he didn't feel like he had a choice. Which yeah. Is, yeah. You know. and, and, you know, um, in hindsight, as a, as a, a victim of his thievery, you can breathe a sigh of relief, I'm sure. But as it's going on, it is creepy. It's, it's gotta be creepy yeah. that it keeps happening and it's so clean and so minimal and it's been going on for 25 years. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, it's even, it's like even strangely creepier that he leaves almost no trace, no trace. Yeah. And they just see something moved and some of their food and their batteries are gone. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I think that, uh, the, um, one of the biggest things that actually left people feeling violated about this, this guy is, uh, the fear of the unknown. Right. They don't know who he is. You know, is he someone like Ted Kaczynski? You know, is he like an, uh, an extremist or an escaped convict on the is, run? Is it like, Bigfoot? They just know, they, yeah, they just know there's a permit. <laughs> They've been, there's been, there had been sightings of him and there had been tons of break-ins. And so people like piece together that there, there's a, there's a hermit in the area that was, leaving enough proof to establish that he hadn't gone away, you know, right. and, but they just never knew where, you know, who he, they never found him. And like, you know, the person whose land he lived on never knew he was there in 27 years. Yeah. So let's talk about where he lived because apparently where he lived was pretty damn close to society. He wasn't, he yeah. wasn't, he wasn't like Pranicky in the middle of the woods just with no neighbors, he had neighbors. I mean, he there were people around him, but the spot that he chose was so. He was a couple miles away, a couple miles away from people. Um, but he had like the his paths that he would walk every day and leave yeah. no trace, walking on the roots and using the rocks and whatever. Uh, it's just a, a short, short hike to get what he wanted. Yeah, a short hike though. And right. and then he found this spot that was like I think it was hemlock trees, I can't remember. Anyway, some type of tree and and uh and like a combination of like huge boulders. Mm -hmm. And so you couldn't see his tent from any directions and you couldn't see it from above. Yeah, there was like a natural uh canopy over it that Yeah, you could, you he just see. it was just like the perfect spot. 
And like the person, I guess the person who lived there didn't explore that much, or if they did, they didn't think there was anything in in that thick spot. I don't know. Like, I, I, it's funny because like I wish I had that kind of property, and I feel like I would explore the hell out of it. But maybe they didn't. It, it is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting when people own acreage and they don't even know what's on it. You know, that's pretty. Yeah, twenty seven years, and they never right. went through there. I, just, I mean. It's, crazy to me the way that he described finkel described the landscape it, it is like extremely thick woods extremely yeah uh yeah it is so you're constantly squeezing and ducking and just uh you know the only person that's going to go through it on a daily basis is a guy trying to survive and that doesn't want to see anybody um yeah so- yeah he would like stay in his tent for weeks if it was snowing because he wouldn't want to leave footprints yeah but i also heard that uh because it's like well how did he never get sick and how did he survive the brutal main winters and stuff it's like well first off he's not seeing anybody so he's not getting sick because he's not in the petri dish of society exactly you know yep. so he, he never got sick but he actually enjoyed when it was super cold like of course there were brutal nights and whatever when it was super cold but when it would ice over that's when he could walk on the surface without leaving prints yep so he actually yeah that's what he, he actually would go liked out. it when it was cold enough to produce ice on the surface that he could walk on so that's yeah, nobody all. would be at the summer camp or any of the other places either right so that's like a whole different perspective of like you think he would hate the winter but this fucking guy is want he wants the ice <laughs> well yeah and he did use some technology because he used an alarm clock and he would go to bed at like 7 p.m. during these crazy cold seasons and then wake up at three in the morning when it was coldest and he would pace around his cabin to stay warm. And he had like crazy amount of bedding and, uh, and would just like make sure that his feet wouldn't go numb. So he would sometimes just be pacing from 3 a.m. till like six or seven in the morning so he wouldn't get frostbite or anything. Man, that is straight survival. That's just survival yeah. mode pacing i mean he's a genius really yeah. uh i don't know i i uh to clarify for people i um i don't remember where he went in the beginning on his brief road trip before he got lost in the woods and i think maybe i'm mixing up florida because because i keep thinking he, he was near augusta maine but i think there's an augusta georgia and so yeah, i just yeah, keep yeah, thinking yeah. he was in the south and it's just like not part of the book right so i apologize if anything's inaccurate i did <laughs> listen to the audio book but Hey, you know, we're not experts. I have, I have ADD. <laughs> give him, cut him some slack, people. He's got We've ADD. Yeah. He might, if you give him too much guff, he might leave society and I'll never talk to him again. It'll be your that's fault. Still, that's quite possible, you know, <laughs> uh, now that I can't tour in bands anymore. <laughs> well, not yet, but soon enough. Hopefully. No, I, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, so um, night, his his uh home uh this is one thing that i thought was really interesting and amazing he would read magazines he would take magazines and uh read them and when he was done with them he would like create bricks out of them and bind them together with electrical tape that he stole and he created a floor a super flat flush level floor out of these super magazine level yeah. bricks yeah and the, the way that finkel talks about it because he went there he was in awe yeah. of this place just like in he spent awe. nights there yeah he spent nights there he admired him because he had you know 
his own uh, characteristics as a hermit mm-hmm. and maybe arguably a hermit himself to yeah. a degree. He, he, I, th- I think he said something like, I, I wouldn't want to, um, you know, live there because that's not me, but I would definitely spend some weekends, some long weekends there. It would be really nice. Uh, yeah, I think he spent like at least like four nights there separately. Man, that's so fucking awesome. Uh, Himself. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the guy, the guy that busted him mainly is a guy named Terry Hughes. And he like set up surveillance. That's how they kind of busted him, uh, catching him in the act, like, setting off triggers in the night in the woods and just they were filming i think filming with cameras in the woods trying to just you know those motion sensor things that they do on deer trails and whatever hunters use and people trying to catch perpetrators in the night uh yeah he did he showed up on actual hunters cameras really okay so yeah Yeah. so, so this terry hughes guy is like the main guy that spearheaded the 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 uh effort to bust night and um after he got caught he asked him to like show him his spot like take me to where you live we we want to know where you live and he followed christopher knight through the woods and watched him do his little maneuvers not touching the fucking ground he had it all memorized it's just his routine and yeah uh, was blown the fuck away and like this this Terry Hughes guy is an outdoorsman. He's whatever. He's very experienced. Uh, he's fishing. He's the guy that's fishing wildlife. Fish, fishing was, wildlife. Yeah. 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 That's right. I, I said Finkel was, but Finkel's the author of the book. Yeah. Finkel's the author. Hughes is the guy that busted him. But and he's a fishing wildlife guy. Yeah. Right. And he he was like this guy. Knight is like the king woodsman. And he he actually felt once he saw how amazing the camp was and how knight carried himself in the woods he said he felt kind of bad after arresting him like oh man and this guy has like his thing and i just fucked it up yeah basically <laughs> yeah totally he did like, he, he he spoiled it for him and he was going to live out his days there he he loved sitting there in silence and that you know he or and he also just read and had his his he had his own rituals like people do like no matter what happens to you or how isolated you are human beings still like rituals right and routine to some extent to some extent yeah yeah and we'll get into it here in a minute but ted kaczynski was very similar in that manner like the 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 silence and the happiness of being alone like it was never felt alone just always yeah happy like Christopher Knight. Because he had his thoughts, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, Christopher Knight apparently was so like in tune with the, the, with nature, like the universe. Uh, Finkel kind of claims that he was so at peace and one with the universe that he couldn't tell where the forest began and he ended or vice versa. Like he was just one with the fucking land. I mean, after 27 years of not talking to anyone, I'm sure, I'm sure he talked to himself. I don't know. But probably, uh, yeah. But another interesting thing, too, is he had like no apparently besides reading, he had like no creative outlets because he fucking hated Thoreau and he hated the idea yep. of Walden Pond and like uh, the, the whole Walden book. And he thought that Thoreau was just like anyone that does it for a couple years and writes a fucking book so everyone can read about like, Oh, look at me and what I did. Yeah. 
and and like, had people out to the property at dinner parties and shit. He, so he had, it wasn't he, completely isolated. He had zero. <laughs> he had zero respect for Thoreau. He was like, "Fuck yeah. that approach," you know. Yeah, and a lot. Of, a lot of people don't. Consider... He was definitely opinionated. He had a, a good idea of the the world through media and that he would read and uh you know but he definitely had his opinions he didn't like national geographic but they thought he did because he always took them but it was because the gloss pages made a great floor <laughs> and they're thick they're like real thick, <laughs> yeah thick, dense magazines i can see yeah, that so that's why he liked them <laughs> he's like uh, perfect <laughs> uh but he he um uh, bringing it back to Thoreau real quick, he he didn't like that idea of art, artists or anyone uh, creating something out of their experience for other people to see. Because in his mind, it's like no one's going to see shit because it's not about other people. I don't want anyone to see anything that I'm doing because it's about me. And like, if you yeah. have an, if you have an end game, a product that you're trying to show people, like, what are you really doing? You know, and there's definitely exactly. credence to that. You know, he didn't think that he had a personality or he had no self because you only have a self in a world where you are trying to show people who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's what he didn't like about Thoreau. And he, he didn't want anybody to know who he was. He, because he's nobody, because he's just being. Right. It, yeah. it, is, it is weird though because they did say that he would like steal handheld video games that were old like he wouldn't take he didn't want to steal like kids christmas presents like new stuff but he would take like older yeah. like things that he uh i guess knew were old or somehow i don't know how he would know they were old or maybe he had observed them in the house for a couple of years and then he finally took it yeah he, he would yeah that was his rule he didn't want to take the new one that's the one that the kids were you know, excited about or whatever. <laughs> he, he had a lot of ethics about this. You oh, know, man. like he mostly just wanted like food and batteries. Uh, I think he did dabble in alcohol. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta have a little recreation. Yeah. He partied. Know. Yeah. Why he, not? A, he, uh, he listened to radio programs and he, so he would always have a radio and have batteries to listen to the radio. And so that was a big insight to the world for him. Yeah, I read that he would dabble in the radio a little bit, like uh, connect. You got to connect. So that's the other thing, too. It's like, yeah, he's leeching off society by stealing and he's tapping in every once in a while, you know? Yeah. And then, so it's like, are you separate when you're kind of reliant on society? Mm -hmm. You know, even even uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Pranicki, Pranicki or whatever. Pranicki, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he had drops from his friend, the mm -hmm. pilot. Right. And, you know, probably correspondence because of that. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, do you feel a certain way because you know that you have a, a lifeline? Mm -hmm. You know, or, you know, that's only that's the interesting thing about Christopher Knight is like, did, did this guy, right. you know, is he the, he's, it, how many people have no lifeline, you know, right. Uh, even on the like the Zongman mountain in China. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, you have other hermits and people passing through and people visiting to seek knowledge from the hermits. Right. You know, I wonder, I wonder how many people are truly able to be alone and experience being that, that much of a hermit, or if 
we always need a, a lifeline of some sort. Right. Yeah. The way, the way that, um, uh, Finkel put it is that he wasn't so much removed from humanity as sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. Which is a good way to put it. Like, well, yeah, it's a lifeline. Like he, he could have got out and, uh, what, I mean, he could just get what he wanted. He could always get what he wanted. Well, he, and he, yeah. He still listened to people, you know, with, and, and read about them. Right. And here, so he needed that. And well, then he needed their food. You know? well, here, <laughs> well, here's the thing too, taking it back to the spiritual hermits of the day and the, the, uh, uh ornamental hermits, uh, even if in, even if anyone wanted to seek knowledge or wisdom from Christopher Knight, he's not going to give it to him. Well, that is the unique thing about him. He doesn't. He's not going to. He doesn't want to talk to people. So he's no, not he's even trying run to. Away. He's not even going to impart his wisdom on society. He's just. You know, the one time he said hi to a hiker, one time he said hello, was so that he didn't seem out of place and they wouldn't think he was the hermit. And he was so well kept. That person later said they would never have thought that he was the hermit because it's not what they picture. Wow. Because <laughs> yeah. he, sha- he shaved and wore nice clothes because he stole that shit. You know, he, he used fucking cold water to shave and bathe and everything, sponge baths and but was clean and like nicely dressed and wore like outdoor looking clothes. So he just looked like a hiker or a hunter for people if they did see him. He's just like wakes up like going shopping today. Yeah. Just go basically take take some clothes. Uh, After he got caught, it was pretty interesting because, you know, he didn't, he he knew, I think he must've known about the internet maybe somehow. Um, But let's just say so. He he. When he was asked about the internet and email, uh, that's an intriguing concept to him. And for a lot of hermits, and a lot of hermits apparently do communicate via email and chat rooms uh, because there's no yeah. contact, and that's the perfect they, form of communication. Yeah, that what is that her that that hermetic hermitary we, hermitary website? Yeah. There's like a uh, um, not really it's not really a chat room, but like a blog correspondence whatever on there and you have to they don't just allow anybody and i don't know how the hell do you prove that you're a hermit right yeah there's like <laughs> there's like uh yeah you gotta like there i guess there's uh some guidelines to uh adhere to to be considered worthy of being in this chat room <laughs> yeah finkel uh said talked about that a little bit in in the book uh interesting interesting read i listen to it but uh six hour audiobook if you so desire i, I do want pretty read worth it. listening to uh yeah i yeah pretty cool i guess so. they argued on that chat that chat room on that website that whether or not um christopher knight was a hermit because he stole yeah because, because he wasn't he he was reliant right but then like i don't know i haven't read about every single type of hermit it, in every place but like it seems like everybody's reliant on yeah it seems subjective it. uh hermits have jobs in some cases you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yeah but you know just to wrap up christopher knight he got busted and he spent seven months in county jail and then they were super lenient on him because it's like all right he did over a thousand b and e's basically um yeah he they they kind of gave him a psych um 
like what do you call that um they that he had to treat his prison sentence was served out in like a, a psych dorm type thing okay. and that's the that's the route that they went i don't i don't want to say um they didn't plead insanity that's right. like too severe for what they and he wasn't insane at all he you know no but but they were trying to say that like he wasn't in like a normal state right i can't remember what they said about him but it was uh yeah something to that degree though um well he got a he got he got a lengthy probation apparently they uh, oh yeah he he did have a lengthy probation and he had to he had to work Oh really? And, so uh, Finkel said he he followed every he followed it to the fucking letter, and he nailed his probation. And uh, now he's he's not um, part. He's not institutionalized anymore. He's not. He's finally free. And uh, Finkel doesn't know where he is. He and he said Knight told him he's like, look, man. He's like, yeah, I talked to you and gave you my story and stuff, but we're like not friends. Don't look for me. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Uh, I'm just going to go. And he like, you know, if you love something, let it go. And you just let him go like a fucking butterfly in a tornado, you know, just I'll never see him again. I don't know if he's alive or not, you know? Yeah. He like tried to visit him like one last time and uh, he just told him to leave. (laughs) So he just, he was just like, it was weird because he like, I think they did become friends. It sounds like it. Sounds like in the book, in the book, at least. or maybe Finkel was just admired him in that. Might it sounds, it sounds it. like he admired him. Uh, Knight. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the man, but it seems like he was just um, not, he's, he's not in it for the friends, you know, he's not look. he needs no, there's no room for any more friends in his life. Uh, no, that's the thing. He's uh, he doesn't want anybody. He's, he's likes being alone. He likes right. to be, I, in his own head and he he doesn't like the idea of like a a personality where you're just pleasing people Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's crazy we do live in a world where like you have to do a bunch of unnatural stuff to seemingly please other people to get your life to a point that looks approving approvable by other people you know it's all about keeping up with appearances man status and keeping up with the joneses they say a lot of pressure you know like if you don't want exactly if you don't want what everybody wants you know and uh not everybody wants the same thing you know some people want to be a race car driver some people do (laughs) well chris well christopher knight might be that now i mean he's out there no one knows where he is so uh godspeed christopher knight wherever you are i'm sure you're i'm sure he just went right back to it that's my guess he just did he went right back to what he knows somewhere maybe probably yeah. in the same area he would be like 55 now or something oh man he's probably better than ever so he's probably alive i mean he was like living and working with his brother oh really at the when uh finkel last talked to him when he was on probation and yeah he had to meet with a judge like every week and take like drug tests and mm-hmm. all this shit i can't remember what they they just said he had I can't remember what they said he he had wrong, like mentally wrong with him, but it was just something disassociative disorder or something. Mm-hmm. And they like that was like how they got him a psych eval and got him uh, a light prison sentence. And you know, and gave, he, yeah. he seems harmless enough in a way. You know, it's like it does seem like an interesting thing. Well, to and they look, couldn't prove a at. lot of the 
they couldn't prove a lot of the burglaries that he did. Right. Know? But he admitted so, to him, you know, it's just he like, did. He it's did. just like, yeah, yeah, I did that shit. But the harmlessness of it and the honesty of this guy, I think they actually took into account like, look, this guy is just he's not out to hurt people. He did a bunch of burglaries, but is he a threat to society? Mm, not a violent threat, you know? Well, and they believed him when he said he regretted stealing from people mm-hmm. and that he just felt like he didn't have a choice, uh, but that he felt bad. And the judge just, you know, didn't think he, they thought it would be uh, a danger to him to give him a longer sentence. And, right. you know, they, they said that they didn't feel he would reoffend. you know? Right. And this, this, this reminds me of a point that I, I was going to bring up uh, about the idea of solitary confinement in prison as punishment as the ultimate punishment. Yeah. And how that goes back to people not wanting to be, who would rather be shocked than be alone. And uh, how um, someone like Knight or like Kaczynski, who we're about ready to get into a little bit, uh, people who are out in their own little shacks and prefer to live in tiny little spaces, uh, find enlightenment in a way they find uh peace but people in solitary confinement in prison are losing their fucking minds and uh it's the ultimate punishment but there's like two completely different sides of like the same coin you know and it's all about well it's, it's all still about, a different environment though it's a way solitary confinement is, yeah it, it, i mean it is torture considering where you are why you're there and who's doing it to you and where you're going when you get out, you know, that's, yeah. but the idea of being alone and silence as punishment in society is interesting. Don't you think it is? It is I, I do agree with that. Uh, what, what I, I, I wonder about is, you know, two things. It's like with solitary confinement that was forced be mm-hmm. more tolerable if you were in the woods uh right but, yeah take them to a shack and put them in the woods and maybe they actually like, can figure you know, some shit out but like we were talking about being damned through being um possibly misdiagnosed or even diagnosed with something earlier on in your life mm-hmm. uh is it just the knowledge that you can't leave right because one is voluntary right now the involuntariness you know? of solitary confinement is I'm sure I've obviously never been there. Well, not obviously, but I've never been there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, there's no escape. And the frustration and anger that all le- leads up to it. And when you come out of it is, uh, I'm sure, infuriating beyond human words. Uh, yeah. But the yeah, just like just like I said, the idea of uh, solitude and silence and darkness as punishment uh, is bliss to certain people, but those people are in control of their environment. So that's the difference, you know. Yeah, it is interesting. I I've spent like so, uh, just a short amount of time in jail, and even had like a cellmate each time, and still had contact with people. But just knowing I couldn't leave and was completely out of, it was out of my control. And yeah. uh, that that's just a powerful thing being, you know, controlled or whatever. You know, you, you just have glimmers of like what freedom was. Right. <laughs> and I don't even, I don't even know compared to people. 
at all. But that's what, when you, <laughs> I, when I could you, see how crazy that would be, though. Yeah, uh, and when you come out of it, if you get out of jail for real, become a hermit, find that freedom. Some people do, and fuck, you know, yeah, so, fuck society. Or you know, and you can get conditioned, and mm-hmm. so that's why there's people fucking go back to jail, right? Uh, on purpose because on purpose, they feel yeah. more more normal in there, which is you know shows you how effective prison is to reforming people. But oosh, oosh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a topic for uh, maybe another episode, but it's yeah, it's depressing. It's it's depressing. But let uh, let's keep going down the depressing route, and let's let's give a some lip service here to the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski because he's a pretty infamous hermit and it seems like him and Christopher Knight had a lot of the uh, well I don't know a lot but Kaczynski was an obviously a very intelligent learned man with a genius IQ um that just decided to drop out but his reasons are uh he he's against technology he thinks computers are going to take over the world humans are going to be replaced uh he's he just wants to destroy the industrial complex of of society he he's just he says i quote i i hate the system not because of some abstract humanitarian principle but because i hated living in the system and i got out of it by getting into the mountains but the system wouldn't let me alone so he yeah. just, he hated the technological system uh that we were a part of and he wanted to fucking that's the difference between this this guy and the rest of these hermits he hated it but he wanted to actively destroy it yeah that yeah that was a, that's a very big distinction there's like <laughs> that's like well that's like the third category of a hermit really right right it's like that rejection uh of of our society uh the one thing i thought was interesting about kaczynski uh that i was i he was part of like a a psychological study when he was in Mm. college right about that i did where they just like he had because he had his whole philosophy about uh uh technology and the technological system that we're all industrial system that we're all a part of and tearing that down he had that from like when he was a teenager because he went into harvard when he was 16 he was a fucking genius and yeah there's this uh psychology professor or whatever that had this experiment going on where they just ran they like studied whatever it seemed like his thesis was and just for like three what what, was it three years or something he was a part of this they just like two 200 hours 200 hours of having these these brutal conversations where they just tore his whole philosophy and idea apart and basically made him defend himself and feel stupid in a way well yeah right? they would have they started it by having him write his his personal philosophy in an essay and they based all of the insults on that so the the idea is, and what everyone says, when he showed up at Harvard, he was normal, fun, outgoing, and then after all this, he slowly started withdrawing. Yeah, because he was like felt. Sh- I don't know. Maybe people speculate he was shunned for, you know. And I don't. They talked to him about this probably, but for his his ideals, or mm-hmm. you know, that kind of broke him, and uh, you know, 
that made him want to be a recluse. And then supposedly being a recluse, he didn't feel like he could be alone in nature because of humans that mm. were around him, even in nature and uh, the destruction of the nature around him by humans that made mm. him want to ultimately destroy humans. Yeah. And, and he would target uh, people like if he wasn't killing them, like his neighbor that was the um, had the sawmill in Lincoln, yeah. Montana, and he poured uh, what was it, sand into the engine to shut it down because it made it just made a terrible noise. He didn't like the noise. He didn't like the pollution. He didn't like the logging. He didn't like the milling. He hated the whole operation. So he tried to shut it down. Yeah, I mean, because they were destroying what he wanted as a way of life. Right. Really. Yeah. And you know, was his part of his philosophy you know he just early really early age he didn't like the idea of caged animals or mm-hmm. you know just it hated what we were doing right and which it's not really it's not to say it's not understandable it's just a severe and part of the spectrum of reacting to it right because his his ideals are in line with a lot of mine and i'm sure a lot of yours and a lot of like good people uh but he has obvious, uh, I don't know, anger issues. So he, you know, like there's another story that he told in this, the documentary, the Unabomber in his own words that I watched, like there were dirt bikers just blowing through the roads near his cabin on, on closed roads. He's a, he's way into the rules, by the way. So he, he, he doesn't like it when people huh. break, break rule, certain rules, it seems, which is interesting. But they're like they're on closed roads, bombing through on these bikes, making all these no, uh, making all this noise, and the you know the pollution from the bikes and destroying the roads and the landscape. And they had a cabin where they would all, I guess, stay at seasonal thing. And he took an axe to it, <laughs> and he took a shit in it. Like he wow, was, amazing. he was that like spiteful and immature about his hatred for people that he he didn't like their actions. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty amazing i think yeah like particularly rules that like applied to decency I, you I know pref- it, I, in his opinion you know i, I prefer him be the unit shitter than the unabomber you know what i mean like i i, I wish you would have stuck to uh tearing down cabins with an axe and shitting in them instead of what he actually ended up doing you know what i mean well yeah that would have been kind of cool if that's what he if he was just known for shitting yeah like oh the unit shitter was here again um but <laughs> it's it's funny because i i didn't know what yuna stood for until i uh looked into it um like the un is university and a is airlines because his first few bombs starting in 78 they were at like northwestern university and then he actually had a bomb go off on a fucking airplane that didn't take it down or anything when he was like perfecting his craft yeah so I didn't know that. And just a quick funny story. I guess it's funny. Uh, me and JP, me and JPX from Post Rhetoric Podcast, we used to make our own shirts in high school with Sharpie, uh, just write dumb shit on it. And I, I had this memory last night, and I, I had to text him to confirm it. I made a shirt that said the Unabomber with an arrow pointing up to my face. And <laughs> And amazing. This is when I I forget when he got busted, like 96 or something. And I was like probably a freshman or a sophomore in high school when I did that. And I knew nothing about it. 
I knew nothing about if he'd even killed anybody. I didn't even know any of that shit. I just knew it was a hot topic. And I was like, man, yeah. looking back at that is so ignorant and so dumb. And then like my, my teachers, I was like, no wonder they didn't like me. Like I was just a little shit. Like I was like making fun of, of what he was doing basically. And like human, the suffering he was causing, I was oblivious to it. So I apologize to society for um, my, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, he taste. is a, he was a living, breathing social commentary, though. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it was a whatever, but it was, <laughs> it's, it's funny, but it's so, so dumb, so dumb. But you know, he would he would target uh, people that had influence on. I mean, he would target scientists and people that were whatever their if their job was uh, uh, to led to the destruction of the environment in any way. Oil people, scientists that. Uh, uh, computer labs, anyone that had anything to do with the advancement or creation of like supercomputers, uh, engineering labs, genetic engineering labs. Yeah. He was trying to. He, he even killed people progress. that were just, just owned computer stores. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. Anyway, so this is the kind of hermit you don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I don't know. There's like a spectrum for everything. And so maybe these people. Maybe it's just people are intimidated by someone that doesn't want what they want or is doing something they want to do. But mm -hmm. maybe people are also intimidated by the extreme end of the spectrum of people who choose to act out because they feel rejected and, you know, want to defend their, their own ideals and right. you know, change, change the world. I don't know. Yeah. It was interesting though, that he found uh, camaraderie in earth first, which is based out of Eugene. Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, do you ever have any ties with earth first? Yeah. Back in the day, uh, worked with a lot of people that were involved in that. I always read their newsletter. This, there was actually a lot of pretty cool information in it. I don't know if they still do that. Probably. They probably, <laughs> I, I don't know, but just imagine it's like he, he, he tried to rope them in to like the freedom club thing that he had and he would use be like, we are doing this and we are doing, we are bombing this because of this and this. And it seemed like he was like trying to rope earth first politics into it. And kind of, I mean, maybe to smartly throw people off uh, of his trail, but he did yeah. genuinely identify. And he like like that lady that started earth first, like interviewed him because he allowed her to, because he had respect for her. Yeah. I mean, he, it's not to say he didn't have the same ideals, just he mm -hmm. had a different re reaction to them. Yeah, yeah, you know, a I, different solution. I mean, I've always, I always saw copies of the, his manifesto at like all these right. info shops. Cause he, he's kind of is a commentary on like what happens when a certain person gets fed up with things that are maybe a, a valid problem. You know? Right. Right. And a lot of environmentalists still say the, if you, if you take away his horrid, activity and murder the manifesto has a lot of good things to say exactly it's like the it's yeah it's, it's if you disassociate the person and it's just you're just like reading it like objective like non-objectively then it's pro you know it's a completely different experience right you know yeah man um, it's kind of like people would have might have felt fine uh, about Christopher Knight being in their house, that they knew that he was like a super innocent dude. 
Right. You know, like they might not have even felt so violated if, you know, if he'd taken the food and written back or something. Right. Like if he would have, <laughs> if, if he would have got caught, he would have been like a teddy bear about it and very apologetic, <laughs> which would be weird. Yeah. That, I mean, not, not knowing who he is. Right. Uh, uh, changes. It's yeah. like the opposite. Well, just to, let's, let's talk about, a couple couple or at least one more little 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 hermit story here before we're, we're running we're, we're getting into almost two hours here adam jesus christ um but <laughs> there's still you know, two tons to discuss we'll have three more episodes of this absolutely uh but maybe this is uh, i don't want to make a joke about it but uh kaczynski maybe his fate should have been what was uh over bevins brathwaite jones's fate uh amongst a few others um but there seemed to be this thing in the in the 60s 50s 30s 40s whatever mid mid 20th century where hermits were like getting murdered yeah uh, because of i mean who knows uh i i listened to that uh podcast uh i forget the fuck cold Te texas or whatever the fuck it was called um yeah I can't, uh, I can't remember what it's called either. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, yeah, this guy in 1963 was just like a well-known hermit. It reminded me of the movie get low with Robert Duvall, where he was like a hermit that like kind of freaked people out, but he was like an anomaly and people were intrigued by him, but people, people loved him. People hated him kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And it, well, it's part of just like not understanding him, not understanding him, but he was, a, another highly intelligent well-read individual and i guess he used to be a farmer in new mexico and he but people didn't know anything about him but these rumors started like swirling that maybe he's got some money yep you know he did he did have money really yeah he owned property and he, he still had money and that's uh, uh like i remember he was on welfare at one point and then he actually like uh canceled his welfare because he started getting a trust fund or that's, something that's like, right see he was just as honest as christopher knight like he could not do a like he didn't want the money if he didn't need it like he didn't want handouts he's like i'm fine i could milk i could milk this society for all it's worth but i just want to be truthful with everyone yeah he just wanted to be left alone just want to be left alone which yeah, is similar similar thing you know and people he pretty much got killed because people didn't understand him and it bothered them that he didn't have to go through what they were going through that they almost were jealous in a way i would think you know and they thought he had money yeah yeah and he, I, mean, I don't think he had any money like where he lived he just i think he just like there were some times in town where he would pay with for things in cash and like right. he paid for pay for something with like two hundred dollars cash somewhere, and that yeah. was like a big red flag to people. That yeah, he people had would bunch see of money. it. Yeah, people would see the money like and be like, uh, get some ideas. Oh yeah, like the the government bought part of the because the land he lived on he did own, and so the uh, the government actually bought part of it from him while he was being a hermit. There. Oh okay, so yeah, there's some speculation about how much he got because they're saying it could have been quite a bit yeah because they wanted to put the highway through there mm -hmm. and right. he actually thought it would be 
useful to have the highway go through there and didn't contest it and just sold him the land. Right. Cause <laughs> right. Cause it would make his trip into town shorter. Yeah. Right. right. No. Yeah. It's the same thing. Cause Kaczynski owned his land too. That's the thing. Uh, hermits aren't all uh, like squatters. Essentially. They, some of them own their land and they just, yeah, that's the life they choose. Um, yeah. Well, that's what's happening in the Zongman mountains. Like nowadays, mm-hmm. the, the uh, people are having to come down off the mountain because really all their dwellings are illegal. And uh, for environmental purposes, they're, they're even, clearing people out of there oh man see it's i mean if it, if it's true that it's a uh an environmental hazard or a problem i understand it but if not uh if they're just trying to yeah i don't know what they're doing clear cut it's because well yeah because it's like might be just their claim but right. they're they're kind of like effectively tree sitting yeah so it's like arguable that they're just preventing them from logging right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know if that's the truth but who knows i i wouldn't yeah. doubt it one bit that they're in the way of something um yeah but yeah just to br- a, a good reason to bring up uh Auverd, um Auverd Bevins Brathwaite Jones is he was like a and this was in Paris, Texas, in 1963 when this this poor guy was murdered and there was like a string of like murders in Texas. Apparently, there was a hermit that was bludgeoned to death with clubs at his camp. There was this guy French John in 1931 that was murdered. And there's like this history of murdering hermits because yeah, it's like a it, but it's part of the history. This is this is predecessor to Christopher Knight and Kaczynski. Uh, maybe we should talk about this before, but it's like the it's part of the the story of hermits in society and how they are perceived because we talked about how it was an honorable thing and people gained wisdom and wanted hermits to tell them things and they could learn from them and uh you know eventually that kind of turns into people wanting to get away from uh technology and industrial industrialization and uh wanting to just kind of be left alone but you know because of the way society is especially in america they're like who the fuck are these people what are they doing they're sketchy or maybe i can get something from them and they were getting murdered yeah (laughs) like they're like because they were looked down upon and then you got in the 80s and the 90s and stuff you got like the knights and the kaczynskis that are just really try to be left alone but like stealing and doing fucking weird shit and like the whole perception of hermits has changed so much from like an honorable thing to anyone you see in the woods is a fucking creep and what are they doing yeah and it's kind of well sad, is that you know is that like a reflection of our education system because yeah. it's really interesting that like not long after high school christopher knight walks into the woods ted kaczynski changes his mind frame when his philosophy is totally rejected and belittled mm-hmm. during in college you know uh i don't know it's interesting a lot of these people seem to i i wonder if like you know nurturing different brains instead of streamlining our education you mm-hmm. know uh would would help people you know remain in society more easily i don't know or maybe just yeah Right. cause people to be a little more open-minded i don't know right no there's definitely uh 
society's reaction to them is one thing. The reasons why people go and become hermits is another. And sometimes that it, it, it doesn't matter. It, people have their re- are always going to find their reasons to be alone. It doesn't have to be uh, technology. True. It doesn't have to be industrialization. It, doesn't, it could just be uh, a feeling. It could be just people in general, the numbers of the population, uh, any sort of pressures or just an inner drive to just be that person. Uh, but yeah, the perception of hermits seems like something that we could work on. So it's like, like how, how, how do we go about, uh, supporting them, you know, you know, cause they're not, it's not like they're, it's not like it's homelessness is one thing. And especially in the cities and urban areas, homeless camps and things like that is a different kind of thing. But when it's someone just really trying to just be alone and not be bothered and then they're discovered and society comes and tears their whole world apart like what the fuck is like should we be doing that like just leave Probably them not. be you know what i mean like yeah. just then just just because you found them doesn't mean you got to destroy them like what the fuck uh, yeah it's just it's, frustrating. It's, it's weird like are there like mental issues that like we're finding out about that like we could be helping people with that would cause them to you know, would stop people from becoming a hermit because they're right. able to like certain people. The yeah. they, they think yeah. I, at least some people, you know, society uh, definitely created a lot of hermits in the last century for sure. But like I said, I feel like it's, it's going to happen anyway, because people, people long, for, certain people long for that. And a lot of people are on that spiritual quest anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I, feel, I feel like Western society especially has created a lot of, uh, weird hermits maybe <laughs> yeah maybe that's what it is that's just one type of hermit but, oh, weird people well, yeah because general. religious hermits are just trying to like have you know be alone with their thoughts on on their they're trying to study philosophy right. you know right. they're just stu- yeah they're trying to study and i understand that you know like i like having a practice space to play music so that i'm in a place that's isolated for only that purpose absolutely I think I said, ab. Yeah. I meant absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's wrap this up real quick. Uh, yeah. I just want to, I just want to give a quick shout out to Dorothy Malter. Who's a female hermit known as the root beer lady. There's that many female hermits, but uh, in America anyway, huh. she is a Pennsylvania uh, hermit that uh, would, uh, you know, give people root beer and stuff. And uh, she lived in a cabin with no electricity and, she had uh, bottled propane, and um, she uh, huh. the government tried to make her leave at one point, but they let her stay until her death in 1986. And uh, yeah, she 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 huh. yeah she lived there from the 30s till 80, 86. So Dorothy yeah. Malter, one of the few female uh, American hermits of note. Uh, just want to throw that out there. Um, I'll have to read about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she said, I didn't, I didn't get too deep. I didn't find too much about her. She, she grew up in Pennsylvania, huh. um, and uh, she lived at the Isle of Pines Resort uh, hmm. with the, with the owner until 1948, and then it became hers. 
So Whoa, I guess she, she owned awesome. it. I guess she owned it. Anyway, uh, that's where that's where uh, she lived. So um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, Dorothy Malter. Uh, now, before we go, let's get off hermits, Adam. Are you cool with that? Sure. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about uh, real quick before we go. Um, what do you got going on? What do you, what do you got? Is there any uh, music, art, uh, any 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 uh, things you got going on? You want to tell the people about? Sure. Uh, still playing in uh, transient, and we are hard to hard at work on a new LP, and have some split records in mind as well. And so we're still at it playing music. Sweet. And uh, so that's uh, I can't escape that apparently, <laughs> even if you wanted uh, to. I think that uh, playing music caters to the hermit in all of us, uh, in a way, you know, or escapism, uh, to yeah. some extent, you know, and, while and you're that, playing music or yeah. while you're traveling playing music, uh, or both, absolutely. Uh, and that's why I'm addicted to it. And so I still go into the dingy practice room and it smells the same. and I uh, feel at home, you know. Right. So I, I my whole still last doing that. About that. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's about it. Otherwise, I'm making uh, helping build some sprinter vans that are uh, for people's adventures, and then just trying to get outdoors myself. Shit, yeah, man. You could be a if you owned one of those sprinter vans you helped build, you could be a an actual hermit just ride it until it runs out of gas and just live in the son of a bitch. Well, you know, that's, it's interesting that, you know, our, our modern society treats hermits a certain way and looks at them, uh, kind of in, in, in because we're intimidated and looks at them, you know, looks down on the concept, but you know, everyone's trying to get outdoors and there's like a huge trend of people living in these vans so that right. they have more autonomy and can, you know, travel the world you know i mean are they maybe they're, they're kind of hermits you know right no yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of weekend warriors out there and that's just the way yeah, well and i'm one of them that's for sure and yeah and like maybe that's because there's like a spectrum and you know you're uh low on the hermit spectrum definitely you're uh you know you still need solitude to recollect and it's good for you you know uh, reflect on everything to, to maintain your sanity. <laughs> Absolutely. Bill Porter even says about Americans and in, in Buddhism about how uh, it's hard to, a lot of people are interested in it and want to do it and do it for a couple years, but it just becomes uh, like too much. You can't commit to that, that, that pursuit of that, that wisdom and that, um, uh, that endeavor uh, in, in our society, you know? So it's like, it's full commitment for uh, spiritual enlightenment and just being a hermit in general. You got to just go all in. You can't half-ass it. That's true. You can't be a half-assed uh, hermit, Adam. It's hard. Yeah. Well, fine. I'll see you later. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, he walked out of his house the, right after the, this episode. <laughs> I, I, I said, you can't be a half-assed hermit. And Adam Wilson was never heard from again. Yeah. 
it turns out he was at the same Love's truck stop for 27 years. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could inspire it. That's, that's what living I would in, take away from it. Living in the air ducts of Love's. <laughs> I survived love's... off of, I survived off of Subway bread. Yeah. Oh, man. That sounds, that sounds like the life. Love's truck stops. That's um, depending on which one you go to. It never, it doesn't, actually, it doesn't matter. They're all great. Yeah. They never great. sleep. Loves yeah. my loves is my new sponsor, by the way. So <laughs> I love them. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks for being with me, Adam. That was fucking awesome. Appreciate it. Hell yeah. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. All right. Later, man. See you later. Bye. Bye. All right. There it is. There it was. Me and Adam Wilson. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. That was really fucking awesome. Uh, thank you, Adam, for being here with me. Uh, as promised, I'm going to play a transient song. Uh, this one is called My Voice. Check it the fuck out. And hey, there you have my voice from Transient from the album Sources of Human Satisfaction out on six weeks records. Uh, I, I just realized that the, the songs that follow my voice on the record are called Night Ass and Cave Mouth. Uh, maybe they go hand in hand. Maybe they go Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, maybe that hand has a secret finger and uh, that finger's pumping uh, blood from the bloodline through the leeches and uh, tethered through the mandala of, uh, of Mother's Day uh, during a full recovery. I don't know. But all I know is this record fucking rules and that band really fucking rules. So listen to Transient. Uh, thank you, Adam again for being here with me i really appreciate it thank you all for being here uh once again now uh how can you get a hold of a fellow like me well find me on instagram uh at lost rhetoric podcast twitter lost underscore rhetoric you can email me lost rhetoric podcast at gmail.com but the big thing get on lostrhetoric.com. You can find every single episode. You can find the shop. You can buy merchandise. You can find the Spotify playlist that come with every single episode in the show notes. Or you can get on Spotify and search every uh, playlist by the, uh, the, the, the catalog number, you know, like 
you can search LR049 to find this week's playlist on Spotify. But uh, I think that's it. I think that's all I wanted to tell you guys. Uh, get in touch with me. Talk to me. Let's let's have a conversation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoy this show. I love you all. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Next week, I'll be back with a with a brand new person. And uh, it's the 50th episode. Can you fucking believe it? I, I it really I just really kind of thought about it. But yeah, 50th episode next week. Tune in. It's going to be a great uh, a great time. I'm I'm excited to 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 not tell you what it is. You're just going to be ex- excited when you when you find out what it is. All right. Until then, everyone, please stay sane and stay safe.